Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. It is Wednesday morning, March 30th, and I get to be your host this morning, Mark Holcraft. Um, I'm on with several guests today. We kind of have them pumping through. So Therese was very generous in setting up our guests today. Um, and I, I kind of tag teamed with her on this one, which was a pretty exciting. Um, so numerous guests. And if there's even a theme, I'd say our theme today really draws on Eucharistic adoration, which is awesome. Our first guest, we're going to go right in, is Father Jeff Epler from the Diocese of Fargo, joining us from St. John the Evangelist in Grafton, North Dakota. Good morning, Father. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. So are you seeing the same snow that we are down in Fargo? Uh, no. We have a, a nice, really overcast, very windy and rainy day. Oh, okay. Well, then that goes my next thought of, you know, network-wide snowstorm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yep, so much for that one. I know. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's bittersweet. When you're getting snow at this time of the year, Father, and, and maybe you don't feel this way, but you kind of hear the groans ac- across the board. And so, you know, like, ah, you know, it, the teasing of spring. But I have to say, it was so pure, clean, and white this morning. It was beautiful. And I, I also have to admit, while it was beautiful, the thought knowing this is going to be gone in a couple of days, you know, was right behind. True, and you don't have to shovel uh, rain where I have, so I'm, I'm happy there's no yeah. snow. God bless you. <laughs> good, good point, good point. Well, Father, do you mind just starting us off with a prayer, and we'll jump in? Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, we praise you, and we glorify you. You are an awesome God. We thank you for the, the saving gift of your Son, Jesus, who suffered and died and rose again for us, and who makes himself present in the Eucharist for our benefit. We, uh, we praise you for this great gift of your love. We ask all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And Mary, Mother of Eucharist, pray, pray for, for us. us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Awesome. Amen. Thank you, Father. So good. Okay. So, Father Epler, uh, again, I mentioned to our listeners, for our listeners, you're from St. John the Evangelist in Grafton. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your parish? And is, is St. John's, do you have any other parishes that you're pastor to besides St. John's? Uh, I do. We have a, a little mission parish in Oakwood, which is Sacred Heart uh, Parish, and that's pretty much it. So I have St. John's and Sacred Heart. And um, St. John's here, we do have Eucharistic Adoration, about mm, 25 hours a week or so. Uh, we're hoping to actually expand that in the fall. Awesome. So we're, we're going to have a guest priest come and, and uh, do a mission in the fall for, for that purpose of helping get more people to adore Jesus, but uh, we do have a, a Eucharistic uh, spirituality here. It's it's still in development, but it is, has begun, praise God. Yes, yeah. in, indeed. Well, and you mentioned Paris Mission. Now, do I understand you're going to be heading to the Basilica of St. James in Jamestown this weekend to do a Paris Mission for them? Yeah, that is correct. And, that, and that's regards to a, a 40 hours devotion. I Mm-hmm. But please tell us about that. I mean, you could tell us about your mission, but also we're talking Eucharistic devotion already, and you already mentioned really seeking to foster that within your own parish communities. 
Um, but you're going to Jamestown to continue to foster that in Jamestown. Say more about that. Well, Father Neofiber had asked if I would come on during Lent to to promote the 40 hours devotion, which he was going to try to implement there at the, at the Basilica. And what that is, it's 40 hours of continuous Eucharistic adoration. The only time of the, the Eucharistic repose is during Mass and then exposed immediately again after Mass. And it really is a, a Eucharistic devotion that has its origins in Italy, believe it or not. Back in, I think, maybe around 1530 in Milan is where it first started. And um, the, the goal was to, to really invoke God's blessing in, in areas that were suffering. And so Milan was, was having uh, some issues at the time, and so the Bishop of Milan had, had come up with this idea about 40 hours of, of adoration of the and Blessed Sacrament. Uh, now, 40, is, we know this biblically, it's symbolic. I mean, you got 40 uh, days of the, the, the raining for the flood. you got uh, 40 years in the desert. you got 40 days of fasting prayer of Jesus in the desert. But also during Lent, we, we have a 40 day left. <laughs> right, okay. right. Um, which is symbolic of Christ, pretty much around the 40 hours that Jesus, uh, when he was buried, to his resurrection. So you had this, this symbol, symbolic number of 40 seemed to be prominent in God's divine plan. And so these 40 hours of adoration uh, bore fruit back in, in Italy, and it began to spread throughout Italy, uh, this particular devotion. And then uh, St. John Neumann, uh, who was the Bishop of Philadelphia in the mid-1800s, he actually started instituting that in his diocese, the first diocese in this nation to actually implement the 40 Hours Devotion. And there, I think there, there were some holdovers from, from the Italian immigrants that had started in some parishes, but as far as the diocesan-wide thing, he was the first one to ever implement that in this country. And that was, was that so, Philadelphia, right? It was, it was Philadelphia, yeah. yes. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so uh, some places have been continued that. Um, I don't think it's, it's as prevalent now, um, simply because Eucharistic adoration in, in general has become more prevalent. <laughs> okay? So I, I've noticed that, that uh, there's a lot of parishes that don't do the 40 hours, but they have regular adoration times. So this is uh, a little different than when in uh, St. Neumann's time, where you didn't have regular Eucharistic adoration. Um, but I think it's the fruit, I think, quite frankly, of the 40 hours devotion was really implementing more Eucharistic adoration as a nor- normal, not as an exception. So that's one of the fruits that, that bore from that, um, at least in our nation, and I think across the world, praise God. Well, you, you shared something that's, um, I think, it's fascinating, and it's very, um, it captures the imagination in that when you said the 40 Hours Devotion first started in Milan, you know, uh, some of the, the challenges, the concerns, like whether it's natural phenomenon in Italy, I think you said some kind of flooding, did I hear that right? Or uh, Yeah, there's something like that going on at the time, they're invoking God's protection uh, to save them from issues, and then, then this they realized that God actually did. <laughs> yeah. So they continue to propagate this. You know, amazing. God actually does miracles. As a, you know, surprise, surprise there. Right. Um, and so this began to spread throughout Italy, this particular devotion. Yeah, and it was used oftentimes to invoke God's blessing in certain areas and, and certain uh, circumstances. Uh, but also uh, what developed from it is a deepening understanding of God's simple providential love through this. Because when you're with Jesus, how can you not experience love? I mean, the apostles yeah. did when they walked with him, anybody who goes in adoration, anybody who spent time in adoration, 
realize that there is a deep peace and the love that's present there, and that's why they continue to go back to it. Um, also, there's great benefits um, besides protection from evil, okay, because you're with the Lord, who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, there's also blessings for all of humanity. Um, when you go into the writings of St. Faustina, Jesus revealed to her certain realities of those who've come into his Eucharistic presence. Uh, I remember one specific time where she describes going to the chapel where he was exposed and going to pray for pray with him there, and immediately she saw the race of divine mercy burst forth from the host, and she was given to understand that in that moment that his divine mercy touched every human being on the face of the earth. And he explained to her that whenever someone comes into his presence like that, just, just even if it's for a moment, there's a Eucharistic presence, it makes them so happy that they want to be with him that he releases his divine mercy on every human being in the face of the earth in that moment. And so if you got 40 hours of people coming into the Lord's presence, can you only imagine what the graces for humanity are, not just in the local area it's being done, but for, for the whole world, and quite frankly world needs it pretty bad right now. <laughs> well, and, and that's it. It's so important. I mean, as you were saying and talking about the graces when the person goes to adoration, not just for that person, but literally for the whole world, for every soul. You know, you, you can't come into an encounter with Jesus and not be changed, right? And that's what you were, that's what you were saying. You know, I'm, I'm struck because you said even, uh, Father, our world is in such need of it now. You know, over the years, you mentioned St. John Newman in Philadelphia and what was so intriguing, I think one of the things that I had come across uh, over the years regarding the 40 hours devotion is not just maybe some of the supernatural, you know, the, um, I shouldn't say supernatural per se, but like the, the natural phenomena, whether it's flooding or, uh, as you mentioned, in Milan or whatever the issues were. But over time, you know, some other great saints that fostered this devotion, St. Philip Neri and St. Ignatius Loyola, and then, yeah, like you said, St. John Newman. But some of the other things they ran into, I think, for Newman, one of the things he was running into was almost this strong anti-Catholic sentiment, you know, yeah, in the area, which is, okay, interesting, because so much of Philadelphia is filled with, you know, Italians. <laughs> so, um, but isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Well, yeah. he actually had a miracle with that, because um, he was originally was, was setting it up, and people warned him that there's going to be violence because of that, the strong anti-Catholic sentiment that was present in the city. And um, and so he was pretty worried about that. He so he didn't know what to do, whether to actually implement it or not. And so when he was praying, the Lord actually spoke to him and said, uh, "Basically, do it. I'll take care of it." <laughs> okay. So he's like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's but just bold. The Lord actually spoke to him, and uh, so he's like, "Okay." And so he did it, and there was no instances whatsoever. Um, he what God did was he fell asleep when he was praying about. It. He fell asleep on his desk. This is how the story goes, and. The candle that was present there that he was reading with the light from kind of just burned down and then just started to burn the paper that was in front of him. And when he woke up, he looked at the paper. He saw the candle was snuffed out, it melted everywhere. And the paper, which had burned, wasn't quite, wasn't really burned. It was just kind of browned, but everything was legible. And, uh, and the Lord then began to speak to him, talking about how you worried about people burn the church down, worrying about the violence and stuff. He goes, see what I did with the candle. He took care of it. He didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, I get the clue. And so he did He did uh, implement the 40 hours devotion, which he actually spent most of that 40 hours himself there. Uh, and there was no incidences. None. 
And so he was fearful over nothing because God said he would, he would protect everything, and he did. And so then he made this a regular thing, and then it went throughout the diocese. And then they didn't worry about the anti-Catholic sentiment because God actually literally protected the areas that, that all this was happening in. You know, I love Catholic history. <laughs> you know, you, you hear it's these awesome. stories, you know, story after story. Um, it's so beautiful. And how, how the Holy Spirit plants the seed so early on and then connects the dots later. You know, I had mentioned St. Philip Neri. You know, as you were talking about St. John. So St. Philip Neri, of course, I, I mentioned, he also fostered this devotion. How cool is this that when St. John was in Philadelphia, one of the two parishes that instigated it was named St. Philip Neri Parish? That's true. And, and you know, uh, one of the... St. Philip Neri had all kinds of extraordinary phenomena. One of the most fascinating things about him was his heart. You know the story about his heart, right? Oh, I don't, but share it. <laughs> okay, well, he was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and he had asked the Lord to increase his love, okay? That he wanted to love like he, like he did. And, uh, and so while he was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the Lord actually physically starts to increase his heart. And he describes this in his, one of his writings, that, that his heart went into palpitations and expanded, and, and, and his chest started to protrude. Oh, so his man. heart became almost twice the size it normally was. And uh, when he would pray, he'd go into an ecstatic moment, particularly in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and his heart would beat so strongly that it would literally shake the room that he's in. And people would experience the, the palpitations of his heart, the, the reverberations of it. They'd wow. feel the tremors of it. And he'd go into these exercises, and his heart would start experiencing that. Um, and it was generally in front of us. <laughs> so literally, his heart was big. <laughs> yep. You know, people yep. say that, yep. their heart, heart is big. <laughs> One of the things I know regarding St. Philip Neri, and hearing, hearing your story almost makes, it makes the connection for me all the deeper. One of the things I knew about St. Philip Neri is he was known for having the gift to preach, and people's hearts were moved uh, yep. by his preaching. And so, when, you know, when I asked, you know, I say whatever the reporters in the day looked like or people who asked him, you know, what is it? What do you do? And he just says, I just pray for the people I'm speaking to. I pray for them. And so making that connection to literally his heart <laughs> was so big because of his specific love for Jesus in the Eucharist. Father, we already have to take a break here. <laughs> this has gone okay. by so fast. Um, it's awesome having you. We're talking to Father Jeff Epler from the Diocese of Fargo, St. John the Evangelist Parish in Grafton. He's going to be at the Basilica of St. James in Jamestown this weekend, uh, inaugurating a parish mission to foster 40 hours devotion. Uh, Father, I have more questions for you. For example, when you come back, such as, I'd love to hear some fruits of adoration that you've seen in your own parish. So stay with us. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? 
Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm your host this morning, Mark Holcraft, and we're talking to Father Jeff Epler from the Diocese of Fargo. And we're talking about 40-hour devotion with the centrality that the focus is Eucharistic adoration. And as Father was sharing some of the history behind the 40 hours devotion, um, Father, and we just over the break, he was sharing a story because one of the things I would like for our listeners to hear, and I love it, um, I've run into so many people, we love hearing stories. You know, don't we, Father? I, I find um, people love stories, but the best ones are the ones that are true, <laughs> right? They're true, <laughs> and um, especially if they're of a miraculous nature. And there's so many stories throughout history of our church of eucharistic miracles um but i think sometimes we feel like it's far away it's oh well, that's over in europe or that's over where mary appears or that's where these incredible things have happened and it's so important to see no like jesus is lord everywhere and he's revealing himself everywhere can you share some of the fruits of adoration that you've seen even you know you're just sharing a story on the break i'd love for for you to share that well, one of the greatest fruits I've seen with Eucharistic adoration is uh, people's love for Jesus in the Mass. Okay, so I've noticed that those who go to adoration are definitely are far more faithful to going to Mass and entering into the mystery of the Mass. Because one of the, the fruits of adoration itself, theologically, is it continues the saving work that's present at Mass, spends it through time into the adoration. And so a person continues to experience the the encounter of their salvation with the Lord that is made present in the sacrifice of the Mass. And so there's a direct connection between one's relationship in uh, in adoration and one's uh, entering into the sacrifice of the Mass. I've seen that. And uh, also with that, a deepening sense of one's sinfulness, and so therefore the need for compassion. So I've noticed that those who adore are are more frequenting uh, the sacrament of confession. Um, which 
you know, it's a sacrament of mercy. <laughs> okay, so Christ remains in the Eucharist uh, really as, as an act of divine mercy for us poor sinners who, quite frankly, need him. So I've seen those those two fruits uh, are pretty evident in every place I've been um, where there's Eucharistic adoration. But I've also had a number of people throughout the years who are in adoration will talk about extraordinary experiences they have. Now, not all of them, but pretty much about all of them that I've talked to always experience peace in some capacity. And uh, the Lord's Prince of Peace, he's right there. So, yeah, he, he does calm the soul and, and, and soothe the soul and the mind. Um, so that's a, a common experience is peace. But there are some people who have had ex- extraordinary phenomenon, and they've had a number of people have talked to me about how they've seen light burst out of the Eucharist, or they've seen the face of Jesus appear while they're adoring. You know, uh, all kinds of interesting things like that, um, different colors that, that radiate, um, all kinds of amazing things, because, well, you're dealing with the God of miracles who's right there. And the greatest miracle on the face of the earth is the fact that he made himself present in the Eucharist. Um, but I've seen him actually eucharistically affect even nature. I've seen this uh, uh, actually a few times um, where with eucharistic processions in particular. I remember the first parish that I was actually like a I was administrator in Dunseith. And, sure. uh, Dunseith, uh, still, still in Diocese of Fargo there, yeah? Up north. Uh, correct. Yep. And I remember we were going to have a Eucharistic procession for our feast day. It was in September for the feast of St. Michael Archangel, which was the patron. And we've been planning for a while. We're going to have a Eucharistic procession. We're going to go not around, just around the block of the church. We're going to go down Main Street with the Blessed Sacrament. We're going to be singing and praising and praying the rosary the whole time. And, uh, well, that whole morning, it is stormy. I mean, it's stormy. Okay. And, uh, Always a mass. It's just raining cats and dogs. And I'm sitting there thinking, mm, okay, Lord, well, you know what we're planning. <laughs> and, and so, even by the end of mass, it's still dormant. And, and I'm, I'm exposing bus, I'm getting ready to expose bus back, and I'm like, okay, people, I said, we're going to pray a Hail Mary that God will stop the storm so that we can go out and proclaim Jesus in the Eucharist as King of Kings and Lord of Lords to all of them's feet as we go down Main Street. And they're like, okay. Uh, they're all looking at me like, you're crazy. Father, you're nuts. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Said, nope. Said, well, God's going to stop the storm. And so we all pray the Hail Mary. Storm didn't stop, okay? We prayed the Hail Mary. Still raining. So I'm like, Lord, God did a miracle. And so I, I exposed to the sacrament. I processed down with him, carrying the monstrance. And I get to the front doors of the church, still storming. The open front doors, the moment I step out, immediately stops. No rain. Stops on the time. And we process all through Dunseith, down Main Street, around back into the neighborhood where the church is, and we did benediction, and after benediction was done, immediately starts pouring again. And so I've, seen, I've actually seen that happen a few times <laughs> now in my priesthood. I'm like, yeah, because Jesus is real, and he's really present in the Eucharist. He's the Lord of creation. So when I sit there and think about the story of, of 40 hours starting in Milan, when they're actually invoking God's protection as the floods and natural disasters that were occurring, yeah, of course, he has complete control over all of it. He, he killed the storm at a, at a word when he was with the apostles, and he still does this stuff. Because he, it's really him. He does. It's, he, the God of all creation. What comes to mind is the story of when Jesus comes the storm in Matthew 8. 
Um, so obviously, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about coming the storm when you were there in Dunseith. Um, yeah. But we need that. You know, we're so engaged with our senses. And the Holy Spirit knows it. God knows it. He knows how to engage our senses. But that very thing, when, you know, in that case, when you're in Dunseeth, how God knew what you needed. You asked him. He responded. Um, and just the timing, listening to your story, the timing, he, you, know, in, you know, in my human frail language, you know, he wastes no time. You know, you ask him, but it's not until it's time. Okay, now to process, stop. <laughs> and then when you said you went back in uh, for benediction and the rain started again. But God is so faithful. And another thought that struck me, Father, as you were talking is when we put ourselves in front of Jesus, expect things to happen. And the, the more we put ourselves before God, the more he's going to reveal himself. It's not brilliant. It's a very simple concept. A great reminder for me, I hope for our listeners. You know, and, and Father, you talked about confession too. Um, how in the parish, in your experience, there's an increase in confession for those who continue to demonstrate an increase in Eucharistic devotion. I've heard this from priests and bishops many times over. The healthiest parishes they've encountered are those that really have strong a strong confession uh, life within their parishioners. Is that something you've seen too? Uh, absolutely. And I've noticed over this last year in particular, um, there's been uh, a steady increase of people's participation in confession. Um, it's still nowhere where it needs to be, and I think that's almost the same across all the parishes. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but I have noticed that there's been an, an increase, and that's, I know it's a fruit of Eucharistic adoration. I, I know it's for sure, because you can't be plugged in with Jesus and not come to understand yourself as a sinner in the absolute need of His mercy, and then not be afraid to embrace that mercy. Uh, I think fear and pride are the two main things that keep people from confession. Mm. And when you're spending time in adoration, well, you are making yourself present to the one who is greater than you. It is really an act of humility to go spend an hour with him. Because you're sacrificing your hour for actually a greater gain, but you're submitting yourself to him, is what it is. In that time, you're, you're choosing to submit yourself to him for that hour. And that can't help but bear fruit. Yes. No accident, the connection of the divine mercy and Eucharistic adoration. No accident, yeah. but it's perfect. It's perfect and perfected. Father, how can we be witnesses to the real presence in the Eucharist, you know, to our families and to those around us? Um, first off, invite people to adoration. Invite people to Mass. You know, there are a lot of people who don't go to Mass because they don't think about it, they don't have the faith life they need, but but it might be a simple invitation to go with someone to Mass to get them back into it. Um, I've also noticed that there have been times I've seen people that didn't go to Mass, they were invited to go to adoration, they went to adoration, and then all of a sudden they start coming back to Mass. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, you know what, Andrew introduced uh, Jesus to, to what, his brother. Okay, so, Peter, yeah. if you have... Um, that same dynamic, God still wants to happen. He, he did that dynamic with the apostles. He does that dynamic with us. He wants us to invite people into his presence because he's made himself present for us. Um, sometimes it just takes simply, hey, you ever think about spending uh, 10 minutes in, in front of the sacrament? You know, what are you talking about? And then you can explain to that. Um, 
also love. You know, if we are spending time in adoration and, and loving Jesus, it has got to be transmitted, that love, to our neighbor. It has to be. So there should be an increase of love for our family, for our friends, and especially those who annoy the tar out of us. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody, you know? Uh, well said. And, and that, yeah. And uh, how does Jesus says if the love of enemies, what? Manifests the perfection of the Father. Perfect, the Heavenly Father is perfect after he gives the teaching about love of enemies. And how do we love those who don't love us? We've got to be plugged into the one who loves even them, and that is Jesus Christ. And there's something to be said, you know, the visual I have, because I'm such a visual person, is that even those who just drive, drive you nuts, you know, uh, you know and, and we all know who those people are in our life, but when we put ourselves before Jesus in the Eucharist, there's something about, you know, that face-to-face encounter with Christ in that way that's going to change our face-to-face encounters with those that we have such a hard time loving, you know, and... Uh, interesting. You come full circle, and Father, we got less than a minute here now already, but full circle almost when you said, you shared the story of how you've run into people who have come back to Mass because they've started plugging into Eucharistic adoration. And that, that full circle moment is what is adoration, but an extension of the Mass. You know, and yeah. how it, that extension of the Mass, as you shared at the very top of our, of the top of the hour. Um, that it is, uh, you use different words, but uh, essentially the extension of the Mass. And so how, you know, that full circle moment of Christ. And yet, um, one of the images I love is not just a full circle that you come back to where you started, but you come full circle, but you come deeper. So you're almost, you're spiraling in. You come to a deeper encounter with the Lord. Um, Father, so good to have you. You have 10 seconds. Any final thoughts of wisdom? (laughs) If anybody has not spent even a moment in Eucharistic adoration, go. You will not regret any moment spent with Jesus ever. Amen, Father. And if you're in the Jamestown area this weekend, I encourage you to attend one of the Masses, uh, see what this mission is about, and see what 40 Days Devotion can do for you. Father, thank you so much for your time. When we come back, we'll be joined by one of Real Presence Radio's own people, uh, Jessica Foley, to share a little bit how the Eucharist has impacted her. Stay with us. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.